This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. Welcome to Modern Geek Podcast number 43, recorded May 18th, 2012. I'm Chuck. And I'm Juan. Welcome back to Modern Geek. Woohoo. We actually uh, have a couple interesting ones today. Yeah, normally it's just boring as hell. We normally don't have anything <laughs> at all. I'm just kidding. Come on. <laughs> no, actually, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about, uh, uh, talk about some stuff here today. The, the first one being actually something that you came across um, in terms of managing podcasts on an iOS device. Indeed, yeah. You, uh, you know, and for a long time, I just, I, I, I was using at the gym a small, uh, cheap mp3 player and essentially managing it myself just grabbing the podcast that i was interested in and drag and dropping them into it as a usb drive which works okay uh there are a couple of things you know that uh itunes for example if you're using it to grab them will kind of screw up the titles and and the the uh like the id3 tagging and so on if you drag and drop out of itunes it actually works on a Mac anyway. If you drag right out iTunes onto, you know, the open USB drive folder. Right. Uh, but it, it, it mucks about with the ID3 a bit. So you end up with kind of weird stuff displaying on the player. I didn't really care. It worked for me. Uh, eventually, I got lazy and uh, started just using my iPhone and was kind of, I was using iTunes, which is fine, uh, except that, you know, I'm not going to sync iTunes just to get podcasts, especially when it has like six radios in it or whatever. It just makes, <laughs> it makes yeah. no sense. You know, it's on Wi-Fi all the time at home. It's, it's just dumb. So, so I started looking around uh, for something. You recommended Podcaster, which was actually quite, quite useful. Uh, I believe it's an iPhone iPod Touch app. I'm not sure it's an iPad app. Right. It was, uh, it's buggy, um, but it does do a good job, at least, of basically letting you subscribe to some podcasts, grab them, and uh, find out when they update, download them, and play them. Uh, you can even stream them, uh, but the big there were a couple of kind of drawbacks beyond the fact that it was just plain buggy. One, the biggest one for me was that they relied on their own podcast data- database instead of iTunes, uh, which meant right. that it was pretty damn lean. They're just, I mean, if if you're listening to like everything you listen to is in the top 100, you're great probably. But, yeah, if you're listening to NPR, Smodcast, and Nerdist, you're okay. Right. But if you want to hear anything else, like, for example, any of our podcasts, uh, you could do it. And, and, and I did. You can... No, oh, I don't listen to ours, but I, I, I listen to them all once You listen anyway. to them live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, you have to go plug in the, uh, you know, the URL for the feed directly, which isn't the end of the world. Uh, but it did kind of put me off a little bit. I asked to be listed and never heard back from them either, which was kind of frustrating. Uh, I know we're not by any means. I, I'm under no delusion that we are, uh, you know, that we are Smodcast or Nerdist. But, uh, you know, come on. It, it just it just seems kind of foolish that you can't get listed. They don't seem that serious about updating their database. I tried looking for some other podcasts I heard about from people, and uh, they I, it was a pain in the ass to find them. And... Uh, so anyway, I was always looking for a better solution, and I found one, and it's called Instacast. And interestingly, uh, this one has been getting some press lately. I apparently bought it right at the time that they did their 2.0 update. Uh, this, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, this made some news because uh, people were uh, were really pissing and moaning about how uh, the the app was one ninety nine. It was two bucks, and they when they did inside of it well it's it was a buck and then you paid another buck inside to upgrade it to pro which got you a couple of different features like you could reorder the podcast and i i can't remember you could download more some it was like custom settings per podcast rather than global settings I right think it was you could it was. totally use the app without it but you know it's it's the, your grand total was like two three bucks into this thing and for an app like this is it's 
right. with that. I well, mean, and, and exactly. And uh, apparently, before, and I shouldn't be talking about this before I tell you all about the app, but I'm going to do it anyway since I, I went ah, that go way. Go for it. Um, but apparently, when they came out with the 2.0, they issued it as a new app. So if you bought it, it would cost you another three bucks to get the app. And people were just screaming murder about it. Oh, my God. So I can't believe I paid for this. I should never have to pay again. I don't understand. It's crappy. It's Apple's fault. It's their fault. They all suck. We're going to use their name like Santorum because we want to, you know, because we now think that they're a symbol of everything bad on the, on you know, in the app store. And um, when I buy my Windows 8 upgrade, I'm going to use Zoom. Or wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and, and that was my, my thought. Okay, I, I have to admit, and I can't remember who it was. I'll find it and link it if anybody gives a damn. Uh, but I, I'm pretty sure, I think it was uh, a TUAW or uh, or one of the Apple-specific blogs had a really yeah. cool commentary. Now, admittedly, they spend a lot of time being Apple apologists, uh, so maybe this is kind of where that's coming from. But I thought it was really <laughs> funny that they were pointing out that, come on, look, people, uh the pricing on apps has been driven to nothing. The fact that you're paying two, three dollars for an app is is almost nothing. Most apps are not profitable. Um, the I can speak and I can speak to this as a developer. The development that goes into one of those apps is not significantly less than a desktop app, and you expect to pay ten to twenty dollars for a desktop app, even a crappy one. And and the fact that, you know, it's two for a mobile app. On the other hand, they did point out that, you know, if everybody in the world did this all the time, you have 100 apps on your phone, you could easily be spending 100 bucks a month up, updating, uh, updating apps. The uh, objection, of course, is that you can't not update, like essentially your, your host. You have to either look at the update in the updater forever. You can't decline an update um, or you uh, you have to pay the two bucks. My feeling, uh, I think they hit the nail on the head. If it was 10, I'd be pissed. If it's two, I just don't care. You know, I, it's not even worth thinking about in my book. Because this app, as I'm about to describe, I think would easily be worth 10 bucks. I, uh, please don't well, tell them that, but I would, because I don't want to <laughs> have to pay that, but I yeah. would totally pay 10 bucks for well, it. Well, it, it comes down to the balance of, you know, convenience of a cheap cost to an app versus, you know, getting the developers passionate about, what they're developing because you know if they do a major update like this they could actually maybe make some money and not just have people go oh that's good and all but i like the way it was before well, because that's the other problem you run into is when you do a major upgrade is that instantly all the people that have had their workflow interrupted will just send in major support calls of going well wait see a minute facebook i don't see like twitter yes oh the greatest thing uh i didn't bring it up on f this week when we were doing the facebook uh discussion but um it was an article on facebook with a picture that had a list of all of the facebook protests since 2006 of new designs wow every time so it had all the different pages you know like it'll never be the same again you're killing facebook you know and that's 2007 yeah (laughs) and then again in 2008 and in 2009 and in 2011 and in 2000 it's like exactly yeah people don't like to things that change apparently but well and and the funny thing here is that back to your point uh before facebook is that uh, keeping the developers interested, I think that even though, uh, as I talk about these features, they're really cool, and I think that Instacast is significantly more feature-laden and certainly more stable than Podcaster, the real, the biggest draw for me was the fact that it was under current development, that they are working it, and and that their podcast library was much more to-date and updated and that it seemed to more closely match iTunes, e- either that or it was using iTunes. So those are the, the reasons that I came, uh, I came to the show in the first place. So I, if, if it takes a couple of bucks to keep them interested, I'm down with that. Uh, right. But on to the features. Um, Instacast, like Podcaster, is designed to essentially do what you do with iTunes in terms of podcasts, but where iTunes is really designed for music on the mobile device. Uh, it does both wonderfully on your your computer, uh, on a desktop or laptop, but on, on mobile device, it's really sort of angled toward uh, toward music and, and video. Um, this is totally podcast centric. Uh, you can subscribe to podcasts. Uh, you can look at the subscription and see in an easily scrolling little uh, list 
all of the various episodes that are available uh, via the RSS feed at any given point. You can choose to download episodes. You can tell it to automatically download episodes to tell it how many to keep and all that good stuff. You can tell it how you want to archive them and how often and so on. It very easily at the bottom of the main screen keeps you updated with how much of your device you're using with these. So if you're auto downloading stuff and you, you know, you, you don't want to overload or something, you can see what's going on and manage them. Uh, it has some really full featured playlists, including smart playlists that allow you to, uh, I, I don't think they call them that, but they essentially are smart playlists that allow you to do things like, uh, see all of uh, the downloaded ones or all of your favorites or, uh, uh, you know, you can create custom playlists that collect groups of podcasting. Right. Uh, within those, you can reorder them. So uh, you can tell it how to order them, oldest or newest first. You can reorder them uh, and build playlists with individual podcasts. A really cool feature that I just discovered are bookmarks as well, which is actually really cool. I don't know if you played with this. but I, I came across it, yeah. If you're in the middle of a podcast and somebody says something really cool and you think, hey, I might want to go back and listen to it again or tell one of my friends about it or something, you can hit the bookmark uh, and it asks you for some text and you can, you can do it. Like, uh, for example, uh, there was a point where um, uh, in the Nerdist podcast with Tina Fey where they were talking about advertising versus cultural relevance and uh, the TiVo. That's actually pretty applicable to the stuff I'm studying. And I was like, bang, and I tagged it. And then when you tag them uh, at the top of, uh, of the screen, you have like a little bar split into three parts that says uh, subscriptions, playlists, and bookmarks, which are kind of where you work the app. Uh, subscription shows all of them. Playlist shows you just the playlist. Uh, and bookmarks shows you a list of bookmarks grouped by podcast. So like essentially it's uh, in my bookmarks, there's a Tina Fey Nerdist podcast that has a little two by it. And if I tap on that, it has my two bookmarks that I made. And if I tap on one of the bookmarks, it pulls the file and starts playing it from right at the moment that I bookmarked. Right. That's pretty badass. I was actually, uh, I was really impressed with that. Um, you know, I can go into massive detail of how this thing works, but the reality of it is that it's really intuitive and you don't need someone to explain it. Um, when you add, the one thing I will say is that when you add podcasts, uh, you have a number of ways to do it. You can look at, uh, at them by popularity, by uh, video podcasts only. You can search with any of them. Uh, you can look at them by genre. Uh, you can search by title, author, and description. Uh, I had no problem finding virtually every podcast that I thought I might want to listen to, including some kind of off-the-wall ones that people mentioned on podcasts. Yeah. Really good stuff. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very impressed. I, I believe there's also some social, uh, social network sharing, and that's where I don't really do that with podcasts this way, so I, I haven't bothered to play with it. I don't know right. if you do any of that. Uh, not, not really. No, I yeah, mean, I, I'm, I, I'm basically just a listener for <laughs> I do share, but I, I just I share on my own. I don't really like I don't need it like with uh, with some apps. It's nice to be able to share right from it because like uh, like with reader, for example, to be able to include the link that I just looked at. That's worthwhile to me. But like here, I'm probably not going to share that bookmark with anybody because I'm not sure that would right. be particularly well, valuable. Actually, uh, in terms of the social side of things, I'm actually just looking at an article uh, on the uh, the Vimedio site, which is the the people that make Instacast, uh-huh. and they're talking about how they're the, actually their two dot zero dot one delay for the uh, Instacast and the HD one point one point three update is delayed, and it looks like it's because of integration of the service Flatter. Uh huh. You ever heard of that? No. Uh, what what it looks like Except is it's, it's in the app. I, that was the first time I heard of it. <laughs> Right. Well, what, apparently what it is, is that Flatter is a site that, you know, you put a Flatter button on a bunch of different pages, right? And uh, if people like it, they click Flatter. And then apparently there's like this, I don't know, some, uh, you can, I'm not sure if it's that you can donate or you can, um, or they have somebody backing this. But at the end of the month, whoever gets the most clicks has gets a percentage of the money that's in the pool. Hmm. Uh and apparently they're holding back uh, app updates until they figure out if they want Flatter on the iOS store. So Apple, Apple's starting to hold some stuff up here. So we're waiting on bug fixes. 
Interesting. I, yeah. I have to admit that I'm totally not at all into that kind of plan. I, 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 yeah, me neither. I, I, I'm to be honest. I, all I'm I'm just pulling this directly from the the Vimeo site. So I mean, you know, one one source here. You know. Oh no, and I totally get it. Yeah, I mean that that type of uh, uh, just that type of you know get all your friends and 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 pimp everybody you know, and then maybe we'll give you something. I just. I know that a lot of those work, and I'm certainly not against them if other people want to do them, but I have to admit, I just flat don't do them simply because either as a user or as a content creator, because I just don't believe in it. I, I just think that that every you know nobody deserves to be treated uh, that way. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if you're making a podcast, if you and 10 of your buddies are listening to it, good for you. I'm kind of more down with the Kevin Smith direction of, you know, get your enjoyment, do your thing, create your content and, and have fun. Well, you know, uh, what's funny is that um, Kevin Smith is using it as kind of like a, a you know, a touring band um, uh, way of doing things as well, too. Like he's selling merchandise. He's selling live shows. Yeah. And, and that's the way he's making money off a of Smodcast. Well, I mean, I am under, uh, yeah, and I'm under no delusion that, that, that he can't, based on even the little things that that, uh, that we're able to do, that he, he isn't monetizing that to some level. But right. uh, even directly, it's certainly not enough to cover the kind of expenses that he would incur the way he does it. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. I And, you know, however you want to monetize your podcast is good for you. But uh, I just have never, and it's hurt us as a as a podcast network uh and and the same thing with uh with blogs even with like uh with toolmonger i have mm-hmm. never ever ever been into that um pimp everybody out and and uh right, and maybe right. there'll be something we do one affiliate uh thing and it's with amazon because everybody in the world does it and everybody understands it and even then on toolmonger we even have like a link uh, we have. I wrote a piece of code myself <laughs> that goes in and uh, and finds any Amazon links that I happen to put into the site and tags them automatically with this little HTML uh, tag that says what's this <laughs> next to it and links you to a page that tells you how to avoid the uh, you know giving us any cash with it if you if you if that's not what you want to do. You know, right? Okay, yeah. Makes clear that uh, transparency. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what we say, but uh, I had never thought about it. But Modern Geek actually isn't a bad place to uh, uh, to mention that. Uh, let me let me see if I can find one here. It's the we're doing our damnedest to not be a dick about this, but if you would like to support us, here's a good way of doing it. Well, yeah, I'm, like I said, we we thought really long and hard before ever doing it because for the longest time everybody's site was just completely well okay here it is i found uh, i found a link and here it is here's what we actually said after many suggestions from other bloggers and even some readers and asking our readers what we thought about the subject with a link to the post where they all told us what they thought uh, <laughs> to monger recently signed up for an amazon associate account after a lot of soul searching we decided that amazon associate program is similar to other forms of advertising it's only a problem if we allow it to affect our writing and we're not going to let that happen uh, here's how we intend to use it. If when a tool mentioned the post is available via Amazon, uh, we add a via Amazon link and uh, at the end of the post. This does not constitute a recommendation of the part of Toolmonger. In fact, you'll find this link at the end of post where we indicate we don't like the tool as well. <laughs> <laughs> nice if you plan on buying the tool and you decide to buy it from amazon we appreciate you considering the possibility of using our amazon associate link to buy it as toolmonger will receive a very slight fee from amazon however if you're not an amazon buyer or you find a better deal we're also pleased to see you buy from any source you choose or to not buy it at all our job is not to sell you tools it's to tell you about them we take that job very seriously it's important to us that you realize that we follow the same procedure you'll find at major print publications regarding our test tools and advertising section. Bottom line, if we think it's a piece of crap, we'll tell you so. If not, we'll tell you that too, and we'll never, repeat, never hide an associate link. They'll always be clearly labeled with a link to this page. Sweet. Yeah. You know, and I, that explains it. Yeah. And, and uh, so I guess that's the thing. I'm not going to feed somebody's, like, you know, send your traffic to this site and uh, and then maybe, you know, we'll send you a piece of this thing that we're going to money we're going to get from somebody else for doing the screw all that. You know, it's just not worth it. Like uh, I and it kind of pisses me off in a way when I when I think about it, because the idea that people who are out there 
you know, pouring their hearts out, creating content, even if it's only for a few people, uh, when somebody sees them as a source of traffic, I just want to slap them, you know? Mm. Sorry. Yeah, I rant a little bit. It, I know. <laughs> it happens from time to time. It's not like you've reviewed this on mass and have been running a, a, <laughs> a popular site that has to deal with us on a daily basis. <laughs> it's funny. Even on Toolmonger, it's so funny, too, because we, you know, after many years and millions of, of page views a month, we finally, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, sold some real advertising. You know, mm-hmm. there are CPM advertising on the site. And you know what happens the minute you put CPM? Ad- I mean, it's a damn it's an ad on the side of the site. Okay. It's not a flyover. It's not video. It's not, it's a, it's a, a stupid little it's not a click block. The monkey. <laughs> no, it's a little block with a picture and a link, right? You don't have to do yeah. dick all you can click on it or not. You know what you get? You get people that say, Oh, you sold out. You're a bastard. Oh like, yes. <laughs> you have no idea. Do you know how much money we turned away? Because yeah, we well, just, <laughs> we didn't let, want let's just to say if you, if you have a certain viewership, you can get a lot of advertising. It's just not ones that you'll be comfortable sleeping at night about. Also, <laughs> I mean, do you know the number of, of CPM advertisers that dumped us when we said something was a piece of crap? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you can have our money. Just make sure that everything you write is in this certain way. And you know how that you know how that works? We say no. And they say, hey, you know how that works? It doesn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and it's it's dumb financially but you know what screw it but, i mean i didn't write 2300 posts on that site for it to be a mouthpiece for some some somebody you know uh, and the funny thing is though i have to put out a good word for of all people dewalt who is an advertiser on it right now you know why if you look on the site we have clearly given dewalt major crap on the site we do right. not like all their tools we like some of them a lot we like some of them none at all uh, we say so regularly <laughs> and they have never never said word one about any of it the closest that's ever happened is when we got a when we really hated something we actually got a note from one of the engineers that asked what specifically we thought beyond what we said in there right and that was just out of interest no pressure no nothing Uh, i think that there is uh you know so i guess the praise that i can give them uh is that they take they take their relationship seriously. They don't try to play games with it or treat us like a peon, which we are obviously compared to, you know, Stanley Black and Decker, <laughs> uh, the billion plus dollar company, you know, <laughs> you know, and a couple of jackasses in Texas writing about tools, you know. Anyway, I won't go on about this anymore. Back to Instacast. Instacast. I am a uh, I am a big fan of Instacast. Uh, I think it's worth a couple of bucks. If if you're if you listen to podcasts regularly, uh, if you want to be able to stream them over Wi-Fi, uh, hope you kept that data plan. The, the one thing that, that that really stood out to me um, is, is uh, like we talked about for the entire episode last time. I just got an iPad, and I also put the HD version on my iPad um, because I have audio and video podcasts, and there's times where I'm going to want to play the video on a decent sized screen and sometimes I just mm-hmm. want to play the audio from the video podcast yeah. uh, while I'm driving down the road. So like, have I'll have my speedometer app out but I just want to hear Windows Weekly or something that has video so I'll download it if I'm going to watch it on the iPad but I don't necessarily want to uh, to, to have it on just one device, right? Um, they have it that does, iCloud I, sync. iCloud sync. Uh, it also does it it could also do it through Dropbox as well. <coughs> Sorry. But what it does is it, it keeps track of where you are even in the podcast itself. So when I was listening to an, uh, a podcast episode uh, last night, I, uh, I started it while I was driving, and I, I paused it. You know, got out of my car, and then later on the iPad, I'm like, oh, yeah, I never stopped listening to that. I whipped out Instacast there, hit play, and it picked up right where it left off. Um, it's, it has been a little buggy. Uh, actually, uh, incidentally, that's one of the yep. things. They've been waiting three weeks in the approval hell for Apple to approve a no. bug fix to fix that. Um, it's also the version 1.0 on the iPad, which I, I did notice uh, is not quite as good as on, on, the, uh, on the iPhone. Indeed. And like on on the iPad, you can't uh, you can't hide the episodes that you've played already. So it you you start to get a you could, you could 
You just have to keep track of where that pointer is at the bottom and look for new episodes versus old ones. It has a couple other little quirks that I was like, I would hope that they eventually get their uh, development team to to get Instacast HD up to 2.0 as well because because this it's is really cool. It's like it is like I would say 90 percent of the way there of everything that I'm looking for in a podcasting app, and if they can just keep working on it, just tweak it. Further and further. I mean, that's where I ultimately got disappointed with Podcaster because Podcaster actually was for a very long time a lot better than it is now. Mm-hmm. And then they decided to start rewriting large portions of it to do some cool things with the UI. And while that was good, I mean, I like I like forward advancing development. It kind of ruined it and because it never got as stable as like version 2.0 of it. And it's like on to version 4.0 two or something like that right now and when it comes down to it if if the program's not stable it really doesn't matter how pretty it is it's it's not for me i mean i i i hate any time i have something crash on me and i didn't cause it <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, it's like it, you're just asking for it right i'm like oh i did hold down command n in terminal and open thirty thousand uh, new terminals okay i can understand why that's going to crash okay that's my own fault i'm not going to blame os 10 for that right i mean <laughs> you know at some point i just i'm i'm getting sick of stuff that doesn't work yeah I'm just give you. me something that works i'm with speaking you. of which <laughs> So, so based on that strong desire for things that work, you decided to install a uh, Linux yeah, version. Yeah, Ubuntu 12.0 or, or Ubuntu or Ubuntu or whatever you want to call it. After the major discussion over on the main GWC cast about, uh, about Catan or Catan. Ah. Um, I stand by... Catan, yeah, that's what I'm going to call it. From there, back when I was uh, when I was uh, break it down for you like a fraction. <laughs> <laughs> when I was at Calzer Space Camp, we had this person that was from uh, Nevada, and yeah. and there was always this: is it is it Nevada or Nevada? So we used to just always call it Nevada, just to like <laughs> just to just be, take it right out of yeah, yeah, you know, like just to make it clear that you know we you're don't like care. that's not even. He's like, yeah, that's not even correctly wrong. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so it's the same sort of. Yeah, it's it's Catan now, I right. guess. But no, I, as I stand by, if Will Wheaton says Catan, it's Catan from here on out, man. <laughs> I, think, I think he switched in tabletop back and forth a couple of times. So I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, version twelve point oh four, which is a long term release. Um, basically, uh, you got to explain the uh, the the LTE. I mean the uh, the LTS. LTS release yeah. so because for, that- first of all in the version 12 is year 2012 04 is april so um they do like a they, they'll do a dot four and then a dot 11 uh-huh. usually uh-huh. or a dot 10 i think it is and so basically they'll do two releases a year and every every few years they'll do a long-term support one which means that if you're installing this on a lot of machines and you don't want to you want a product that's going to have software upgrades but not major version upgrades for a long time this will be supported for a, a couple of years so you're you're not going to have to keep on on the cutting edge of of reinstalls or major upgrades which is a good thing when it comes to these because even the uh, well, looking at how much of the corporate world is still in xp that's yeah. what it's competing against well i mean and and what i guess what i'm saying too is that it's always a bit experimental uh in installing ubuntu no matter no matter how stable the particular version is and it's gotten so much better and this is going to be the most stable recent version that you can get uh right. yeah yeah to be honest a lot of the still. features i'm going to talk about were actually probably introduced in 11.10 but they've spent the last six months working on stability right which is a constant battle support, that kind of thing yeah so first of all i mean it is a lot clean like if you haven't used this if you haven't used linux for a couple of years it is a lot cleaner than it was like you know before you, you know back a couple of years ago you throw a linux distro on there put your own background on there and you couldn't tell what distro it was i mean it's it's just you know everyone was either using gnome or gnome or kde or xfce or something like that and as the desktop manager and it would just look like uh you know a clone of windows 95 right Mm -hmm. 
you know, nothing really alpha alpha blended or whatever, and, and no, no transparency on anything. Very, very basic menu system, and and a lot of stuff that still had to be done by hand. I mean, with 12.04, it is quite a lot of, uh, of clean. <laughs> I, I mean, that's the only thing I can say, is that it, it is very clean. They've, they've unified the design of, of what it looks like. And it is very unique. There's this, instead of like a start bar along the bottom or along the top, like you would on Windows or Mac, it's, it has this kind of left sidebar with kind of a dock, like an OS ten dock style connector, mm-hmm. uh, where you can drag apps into there and running apps will show up down there. And, and it's got like this uh, search context start, start, quote, start menu that um, you can just type in the name of the app and it'll find it for you. Um, they're kind of going along the same routes of, uh, uh, along the routes of, of that kind of full screen app design mm-hmm. that, that Windows 8 is looking at. Not, not to say that it's completely panelized like Windows 8, but... Um, this runs best when you're running everything as a full screen app. Um, they've got the the kind of OS ten style menu integration where the the program's main menu shows up at the top of the screen no matter what you're doing. Ah, uh, nice. And uh, it, it's it's clean. The, the 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 one thing I was really surprised about is the package manager, which is basically a flat out clone of the uh, the OS ten app store. <laughs> or or like the iPhone app store or anything like that. It's got, you know, like top free apps, top paid apps, and then like kind of a, a, a internal apps kind of thing where you can go in and find like the really kind of command line packages and stuff that you really need in there. But it makes it very easy to find and install like games and, and productivity utilities and, and various apps like you would, like you would to discover apps in, in, in an app store. They always had that, even even a number of years back. They always well, had that that package installer that was significantly user friendly. Right. However, it was more of like a, you know, here's the categories, here's the package lists, right? Like very kind of totally, just tree based yeah. view. Just, but the fact that and, you could click on it and it would work was a huge. Right. Yeah, like you, you would go to install. I mean, it comes with LibreOffice on there, but say you wanted to install OpenOffice. Or oh something. yeah. You could pick it. You would go. pick it, and it would say, "Oh yeah, and we're going to pull in libgtk gnome four dot three dot and and you know like all of these dependencies." This kind of hides a lot of that from you. Nice. It's like I, you know, here's the featured apps of the week, and you know if you click on one, and it's got the little you know install button, and you click on it, and it just says, "Okay, I'll install that for you," and I'll put an icon in the dock. That's awesome because that is it's not as big a, I guess what sh- surprises me is not as much that they're doing that but that it it's not really as big a leap as it would seem you know from what they were doing before it's more like a UI change than than like a, a particular overhaul of how that has been working in Ubuntu Well to be honest a lot of the problem that Linux has had as a desktop is that exactly is it's yeah. UI it's, it's well. Everything's rock, st- rock solid, stable. I don't understand why any, nobody uses this. It's like, well, if nobody can figure out how to operate it, other than us Linux nerds, then that's not the point, right? Yeah. One of the other problems was that people used to say, "I don't want to use it because it's fugly," which is true. Out of the box, even Ubuntu, which was the best looking of the bunch, out of the box still was fugly now you could make it better looking than anything else in the world the problem is that by the time you figured out how to do that you could have built a car right you know so yes like you said as a linux nerd you could do some really cool stuff with it but right ubuntu has always tried to be the realistic you don't have to be a linux nerd to use this opera linux operating system right but at the same time it's like if you want to use this for power use you can but you're still going to have that benefit of, of the front-end tools that are, are going to help you here. Which is cool. Uh, which is cool. And I think that they're closer than ever to this. Um, so what worked and I mean, what didn't? Because I mean, that's always <laughs> the big thing when you install Ubuntu. The question yeah. is, is how much of especially if you put it on a laptop, how much of the crap worked out of the box? You know what's funny? The first requirement that I, I've now completely dismissed in the last couple of years 
was remember, remember back in the day Wi-Fi. when nobody wanted to no 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 not the, oh i'll get to that yeah but that's <laughs> a huge one but but people are like well nobody's ever going to use linux because if you buy a program at the store you can't use it it's like who buys I mean, programs, programs at the store programs. everyone's just using gmail now yeah <laughs> so the, the the fact that the web the web is ninety percent of what people do anyway yeah. um, lends it really really well to it. It, it comes with um, Firefox and LibreOffice pre-installed, which LibreOffice is the open source fork of OpenOffice. Nice. Um, and I mean they're they're good. I mean I, I would start probably still say I'm between LibreOffice and uh, Google Docs. I mean Google Docs is going to be the way to go, but. Um, uh, it does have Chromium, like you can install Chromium, which is the uh, Linux open source version of Chrome. Nice. Um, I would probably recommend that just so that you can get um, Flash updates, um, because you know the Flash built-in Flash support for Linux is starting to peter off. So Chromium just has it built in, and we'll keep it up to date. So it's it's good to have that. Um, Wi-Fi, like you were saying, uh, worked out of the box for me. Wow. During the installer process. Uh, that's the cool thing about Ubuntu okay. as well, is that if you don't want to, tr- if you don't necessarily want to install it, you can burn it to a, a, a DVD or a, or a USB stick, um, and they provide instructions on how to do that from Windows or Linux, and just try it out straight off the stick. And that is really cool. It is. It's actually a great way, first of all, to figure out if your hardware is even going to work for it in the first place. Oh, yeah. I remember it used to be, uh, number one, the back in the CRT days, the number one thing was video driver. Because and, you could and melt your xorg dot, yep. or your x.org. And you could melt the, you know, you could, if you got the you settings got the- wrong, you could melt the monitor. Yeah, because everybody knows knew what their CRT's vertical refresh was. Sure, but you didn't really know what your horizontal refresh range nope. was. Nope. And I remember looking up manuals for my uh, <laughs> what monitor? It was a TTX seven seven five seventeen inch uh, CRT, and looking it up, and you know, going in and editing my uh, you know X dot CFG or whatever it was back in the days before XORG took over. And and manually tweaking that none of that exists anymore. I mean, um, to be honest, I don't think that config file is even relevant based on how X runs for for driving your window manager. It's like, is the driver there? Okay, probe the monitor. Okay, <laughs> let's drop you in in at the native resolution. Okay, good. Yeah. So number that was number one. Thankfully, when when uh, you know when CRT monitors went away, that's not an issue anymore you can't break it you know you can always the worst thing happens you can't see it you know then then it was wi-fi because you know you really needed the wi-fi to work and in a lot of cases it was hard to get a cable over to it and or or for that matter even getting networking working at all well there 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 were a few different hurdles first of all wi-fi support started in the you know the kernel 2.4 days before they started integrating a lot of drivers yeah so a lot of the the wi-fi drivers early on were just like well screw it we'll do it all in the user space and let's do it all outside the kernel let's do it all in different ways so you'd have you know all of these different wlan network interfaces that were that were not really standards compatible they all took different tools for a long time they're and I'm 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 going to guess that there's some wireless cards that still do this. There's a thing called NDIS wrapper, yep. which basically takes the Windows DLLs and provides a Windows API for the DLLs to interface with the hardware, and then you have to have the specific tools that will interface with them. Now I'm sure a a, a lot of that is standardized out. And when I booted off the live CD, it just said, "Well, do you want to connect to Maison Wan?" You're like, "Sweet, yeah, like, okay." And then, uh, and, and then the, tr- the trick was WPA encryption, because that was a separate service for a while. And then WPA2 encryption. And things have simplified quite a bit, especially when you're doing it this way. I mean, I've, I've been, I, actually, the other thing to say is I tested this on my Acer uh, netbook, which uh, is the model is uh, Acer 1522-BZ897. So it was that kind of that dual core Atom, or not Atom, the AMD one that came out at the start of last year. 
Uh, so it was relatively new hardware too. So that's that's always the big kicker, right? Is oh, if you have new hardware, well, you're screwed, right? Because the drivers don't exist. No, it seems fine. Yeah, you could always tell somebody who'd played with it because you were pretty acutely aware of what commonly used laptop, you know, Wi-Fi modems were available, and you know, but once that went kind of went the you know got they standardized enough i guess or, or the market standardized enough the next thing was acpi that's always been the issue like even if you get past everything else usually usually power management will choke you right and okay battery battery indicator works well, works fine that's big uh that that's a big one uh, it looked like cpu throttling seems to work power management uh for sleep and hibernate does not not on this. Not At on least this not laptop. out of the box. Not out of the box. Um, I could. I may be able to tweak it. Um, to be honest, there's not a lot of people using the AMD C50 processor and mm. the accompanying chipsets. So, so you're probably boned. So I'm probably boned. Like it in doing it. Uh, I basically haven't been to the terminal on this thing. Uh, nice. I wanted to try to evaluate it yeah. as uh, like. You know, I, I've I've thrown uh, Gentoo Linux on this before, which is basically compile everything from source. I mean, it's 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 my preferred Linux of choice, but I wanted to see what it looked like from a consumer standpoint. And without going into the terminal on this, I can't get that working. Yeah, now you probably can, and you Prob- know, and admittedly, you know this this brings up a useful piece of advice, which is that if you're thinking about realistically. Uh, going Ubuntu for for whatever reason, you're probably better best off looking for something that it'll come installed natively on because you can do that now. I'm pretty sure Dell still offers it. The other thing is is best advice is go find whatever everybody's doing it with. You know, right? Yeah. If if you're looking like, well, how will this laptop work? Put that model number in and the word Ubuntu into a Google search. See what it comes back with because. Yeah. You know, you're going to be doing that when you run into problems trying to find somebody who's found the answer for you. Yeah, well, because, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even do that yet. I mean, it could be that if I type That's that in, test. it could be like, well, you know, everything works but power management, and here you go. That's a and, good test. That's a good way of approaching it, you know? Yeah. The, the, other, the other issue I ran into is that I've lost a bit of stability uh, after I enabled the uh, third-party driver for a graphics card. Uh-huh. Um, it's an, I guess it's an NVIDIA, or no, it's an ATI uh, drivers uh, video card. So when I installed that, I started to get a little instability. Then again, I've got a little quirk where um, uh, I think that there's uh, may- maybe a little bit of a hardware problem with my graphics driver. So I'm not sure if that's my individual setup or or the the support for the video card itself. But after I enabled it, it, it it'll tend to hard freeze. <laughs> Yeah, that's not good. No, that's not that's good. If I had left it as it was and it was working fine, then it, it, it would have been fine. But I'm like, oh, let's enable this. It says I could enable it, and I enabled it, and things went bad. So that's my own problem. Well, I think there are a couple of fairly significant limitations regardless of your success in getting it to work with your hardware. Right. Well, the a big one, which, well, I guess it really depends on what you're using, what you're using your yeah, machine for. Absolutely. But First of all, uh, Microsoft still does not support Silverlight on Linux. Now, on, on the Linux side, there is a, a, a conversion project called Mono, uh, which takes it. Silverlight is like Flash, or you know, yeah, it's Microsoft's you know, Flash. It is. It's basically yeah, that's basically what it is. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Microsoft's like we'll get our own Flash with blackjack and hookers yeah. and, and Silverlight. In fact, <clears throat> in fact, you know, forget the function. I'm sorry. Yeah, forget the functionality. Yeah, no, you could say it. Uh, the biggest the thing only that pissed me off about Silverlight was was that. Well, go ahead and say what you're going to say. Then I'll was I'll that, that Netflix chose it for their delivery content of choice. Yeah, because of so, the DRM possibilities. Well, that's it exactly. Is that Microsoft built in all this fancy DRM stuff with uh, with you know partnering up with Netflix here and Netflix is locked it down so you know you can install mono on on linux and if you like write a hello world in in silverlight it'll work if you try to run netflix it'll say oh sorry you don't have uh support for it and that comes down to the fact that because linux is so open they can't really be sure that 
I mean, the ultimate goal of of this DRM is to lock it down so that unless you have a monitor that is pre-approved by you know HDCP and you know they don't want it they don't want their content showing up on it yeah and and that's purely because you know if I'll, I'll build my own monitor and I'll build a recorder into it no they don't like that they don't want you to be able to easily record HD content so that's why this started up about 10 years ago where they started building in this uh, encryption technology into all of these um, displays was so that they you know they could lock down the analog hole of, of just being able to record anything that you can see so because you know Linux the- is so open, you can't really do that unless you start making it closed source and start uh, gutting pieces of it. Like, you, you know, know what though? All of that, all of that mess aside, what's really frustrating is that Ubuntu with 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 LibreOffice or whatever it's called, right? The uh, I still I still call it OpenOffice because that's pretty much what it is. LibreOffice is a stupid name. Yeah, yeah, well, I know why it happened though. I I get whether why oh, they're doing no, it, but still, I, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm you're on right. board with the it movement of why office. they did it, but it's like you could have taken more than five minutes to figure out the name. <laughs> really, open office, super open office, like <laughs> no, this unbelievably really open office, open op- <laughs> opener office, no. Opener. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah, there you go. Yet more open. But no, but this combination actually, I think, would be quite enough for a lot of people. Like if if people, you know, you look at like, you know, your mother, people who are like, and yours doesn't count. Mine really doesn't either, I guess. But, you know, a lot of the people who are like, you know what I do with it is I browse the web. I, you know, I write some documents every now and then. And that's pretty I, much I email it. with the Facebook. Yeah. In which case. Ubuntu would be awesome and it would save you a lot of licensing cost for for the OS and all. But the believe it or not, I think that the Netflix issue is usually what stops it. It's the fact that one of the things that people like that like to do is Netflix. And because you can't do Netflix, you know, it's an issue. Yeah. No, well that And that's that, that is it. I mean that's it's it's sad that the, that it comes down to stuff like that, but I mean, and they, they even in the Ubuntu install, they say, well, you know, you have to check this extra box to install MP3 support because MP3 is technically not allowed to be distributed for free without consent or whatever. I, I don't know what the license is on it, but yeah, it's just like playing, yeah. It's like, well, if you want to install this software, we can't say how legit it is. It's like it's been, it's existed for 20 years, but, you know. there's a community (laughs) that explains that. I'm not concerned with having to check the box. I'm concerned with, and I get why it's it's open source and it needs to be that way. What pisses me off is there's no workaround for this, which means that I have trouble recommending to someone like that, hey, you could use Ubuntu because you are screwed when it comes to Netflix. And if you're a Netflix person, that kind of blows. It also stops us from using it for media machines. Right. Well, that, that's it. I mean, what is Skype on, on Linux is like 2.0 or something like that. I mean, they're, they're they're killing it. It's probably better. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, no, no, no. I mean, let's talk about that. We've, we've got, we've got, we've got four machines running XP yep. uh, with, with Skype installed. And that's so that we can have, you know, Skype version, whatever that, that will actually continue to keep its codecs up to date. Yep. And you know, when it comes down to it, we could have put Linux on that. It would have been very easy for me to throw Linux on there. I have enough Linux machines kicking around that I could have thrown a couple more on there. It wouldn't have been a problem. The hardware was all supported. But when it comes down to it, the Skype support was so terrible that we're, we're just like, well, screw it. You know, yeah. let's just let's just we've we've had so many machines in the past that we have XP licenses coming out of our nose. Right. So let's just I mean, let's just throw them on there. And, and we did. And they've to be honest, fine, yeah. they've worked they're rock solid. I mean, we've had problems with them only because a certain cat seems to rummage around with the cables <laughs> yep. and other than that though it's it, they seem to be for perfectly fine so. but it sucks because it would be a great ubuntu application and if skype came out with version five of of skype for linux today i would be evaluating it tomorrow yep. and, and it's like okay well if this works and all the hardware works and it's going to run a lot stabler let's do that i agree but it doesn't, and it doesn't, so we don't. So, 
Well, this is a great review, though. I, I, I think this is the kind of thing people want to know. Because people who want to play with it, they're interested in how ugly is the experience going to be? How pretty is it going to be if I get through it? And and what can't I do? How am yeah, I going to well, be screwed? And you nailed all of that, you know? Well, I, I, that, I've, I've quoted a lot of numbers and a lot of chipset names and stuff during this podcast. But when it comes down to it... You test it without any of that knowledge. If you want it as an... I mean, hell, if you, if, if you got a little, uh, if you got an older machine that's not too old, obviously, but uh, that you, you just want it for internet use, um, you're not worried about DRM stuff like Netflix, and you want it as just another internet terminal, this is a really great offering. And actually, to be honest, um, to a certain point, like within the, the, the zero to six years old computer, the older the better, because the hardware is going to be more supported. <laughs> that's so. True. So uh, I mean, popular. In, in that case, I I I can never really give my recommendation on Linux, but I would say it's at least worth, like I said last week, at least worth grabbing the live CD or the live uh, USB stick, plugging it into the machine you're wondering about. Maybe Windows is getting a little slow and bloated down with a bunch of crapware. Just plug it in, let it boot off there. There's an option to just you know don't install, run off the disk, and see what it does. I mean. I, I think that this is it's getting there, but it's it's going a lot slower than any of us imagined uh-huh. ten years ago. Uh, it's faster. So go by ten years ago. Oh, you know, you know, we'll have taken over from Windows two thousand. I didn't. So. I never thought that would happen. This is way uh, faster than I imagined it was going to happen. I I I, I think never thought the they'd get that, this far. I think the way that it's gotten fa- yeah, I guess I never really believed it, but the, the the way that it has gotten faster is when they go away from what the the Linux nerds appeal to about Linux is like, you know, Android is really big in the market right now, but that's because they've locked down a crap ton of the Linux side of things and done things their own way. And in terms of the UI and stuff like that, Ubuntu is starting to have their own opinion as to what they want their product to look like. And the end result is that it's actually pretty pleasant to use. Which is awesome. We should probably wrap up. Juan, you got anything to add here? Not that you haven't added. I think I just did. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Uh, this was a lot of fun. I and now I've got to go try it out, and I've got a laptop that's perfect for it. So it's going to get a. Uh, I'm so going to try that out. It'll be fun to play with, and uh, we'll see you next week. From everyone here at Modern Geek and GWC, thanks for listening. If you have something to add to the show, a news tip, feedback on anything we've discussed, or just some random awesomeness, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. You'll find other GWC podcasts, as well as the friendliest people in geekdom, on the GWC website and forum, galacticwatercooler.com. And don't forget, financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.